Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Hanging out in 1 John here, chapter 1, where we've been talking about walking in the light. Uh, says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship uh, with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. I just want to take really just, just a piece of that for the next two weeks. And I want to talk about practical ways because sometimes I think things can get lost in the depth of, of preaching if we don't make it very practical. So for this week and next week, we're going to make it very practical for you. Practical ways to walk in the light. Um, these are two things. These are actually two things that we like to preach on at some point every year, but they really fit in this, in this part here because actually to walk in the light as we've preached about, and I'm sure you all remember from when I preached it, uh, it means to walk, that was a joke, I mean, it means to walk around the light. So it literally means to put, place the light at the center of your life and walk around it. Um, that's why if we walk around darkness, we're lying, we're not walking around the light. But if we walk around the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and with each other, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So how do we walk in the light or around the light? How do we take the light, who is Jesus, place him at the center of our life, and build our life upon his love? It is a firm foundation. Anyway, how do we, how do we build our life on him? How do we build our families around him? How do we raise our children around him? How do we do life around Jesus? Well, one of the primary ways that we do life around Jesus is called money. So today, I'm going to preach about money. This is your favorite sermon of the year. Um, I'm sure you just were thinking, man, I, I really need to hear a sermon about money. Um, so yes, this is, this is it. Because honestly, if I were a Central American pastor, if, if I were in Venezuela or if I were in China, I don't know uh, exactly how I would apply this. Because in that context, I think it's a little bit different. Um, I think probably family, actually. I would say, look, this idol in your life called family, that needs to bow before the great person of Jesus Christ. But for many of us, family is not the great idol in our life. Uh, money is. And money is that thing which often stops us from walking in the light and pulls us into the darkness. And so I, I, I want to preach just a, a biblical message on money. And this is based on a message that I preached a year and a half ago, called, which was based on a sermon that Robert Morris preached. And I gave him credit. Uh, because he put some stuff together, but it's really the word of God. But he strained together an awesome sermon. If you want to go to YouTube sometime and watch it, it's called When God is First. And this was years ago. And uh, I saw that message and years ago, and it just has always stuck with me. Now, I haven't watched it this week in preparation, so I'm not copying him. But he did lay out, it's just, it's just a biblical foundation for uh, for one principle, and so I want to preach one principle to you today, and then I want to add my own principle. So I have two principles just to bring to you today, and it's probably a little more teaching today. Not, not going to be shouting as much, but I just this 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 needs to be something that, that gets into your spirit if you're going to walk in the light. Walking in the light, putting putting Jesus at the center of your life, putting God first means first of all putting God first in your finances. And there is a principle, he says, of the principle of first things. So yeah, principle of first things. Uh, it's throughout scripture. Uh, what you put first has the power to bless or curse everything else. For instance, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, Jesus is talking specifically about physical blessings, physical things. He, and, and he ties it in, in Matthew chapter 5, he ties it into um, our emotional well-being. He says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, right? Physical things. Do not, do not worry about it. Because he, he knows that money is tied to our emotions. And our amount of it or lack of it is going to affect how we feel about ourselves and how we, how we feel about our future. So he says, do not worry about what you'll eat, what you'll wear, what you'll, what, where you'll live. Don't worry about those things. He says, for after all of those things, the Gentiles or the, the regular, just people that don't believe in God, that's what they are seeking after. And Jesus gave us the key though. He said, but you seek first the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, he said, and then all those things will be added to you. 
It's interesting that Jesus adds that promise that all those things will be added to you because really he could have just said, you seek first the kingdom of God because God's better. Because only you satisfy, right? I mean, he could have just, he could have just said, they could have just left that and said, you know what? You don't need all that stuff. You just need Jesus. And, 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 and you know, or, or me, I guess, if he's preaching. You just need me. You just, I, only I said. But instead, he, he ties in this promise that he says, look, I know you are concerned about those things. I know you do have those needs. I know throughout the week you are thinking about those things and planning for those things. And that's okay. He said, look, but just don't seek that first. You need to seek the kingdom of heaven first. So it's not bad to have money. It's not bad, like, you know, I don't think preachers should have nice cars. Well, okay, fine. But you, you don't, you don't, your opinion doesn't count, all right? It's not, <laughs> just FYI. Because the word of God is not against nice cars. It's not against nice houses or nice things. The word of God says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. And then actually God wants to bring nice things into your life. So you can go off, you can go off trail with all the stuff God wants to bring into your life, right? And they're like, God just wants to make you rich and that's silliness. But the truth is God does want to bless us and he does know we have needs and he wants to take care of our needs. And he wants to be the one that we look to for our needs. But the key is we need to seek first the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if you've noticed that, but the secret path to joy um, often begins with a me or an I. If we walk in the light then he will cleanse us. If we confess our sins, then he will forgive us and cleanse us. Uh, there's an if we on this, and, it, and, 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 it is, and it's not to say that God is not powerful. It's not to say God's not strong, but he is waiting for us to do something, usually for us to do something very small. So if we put him first, then he will add these other things to us. Does it make sense? So today I want to talk to you about the principle of first things. It's throughout scripture. There are many passages that we could turn to. I just have a few Old Testament passages just to begin with for you to understand. Uh, in the law of Moses, God laid out the principle of first things pretty clearly. So Exodus chapter 13, we're going to look at a couple of verses there. Verses 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses uh, in verse 2, he says, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs, he says, to me, whether human or animal. And, and, and this is an agricultural society. This is a shepherding society. So a bulk of their resources were, were animals, goats and sheep and uh, cows and herds and things like that. And God says the firstborn of humans and of animals belong to me. And so he says, I want you to set aside or consecrate those things to me. Now in verse 12, he goes on to explain, you are to give over to the Lord, the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. He's just re-emphasizing that. And then he gives a little bit of instruction. This is interesting. He says, you, you need to redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck, redeem every firstborn among your sons. So just to explain a little bit, the reason why he's saying you need to redeem a donkey is because donkeys were unclean animals. And so God is saying you have to bring the firstborn of all your animals to the Lord. Well, where's that? That's the tabernacle in the middle of the camp. Well, you can't have unclean animals in the tabernacle because they're ceremonially unclean. So God doesn't want a bunch of donkeys <laughs> around his tabernacle. And, 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 and he says, look, I can't, and the donkey is the quintessential unclean animal. This is basically covering all unclean animals. He says, so what you need to do is you need to redeem it. Well, how do you redeem it? He says, well, for every donkey or for every unclean animal, you need to redeem it with a lamb. A lamb is a quintessential clean animal. And so even here you have a prophetic picture of what Jesus was going to do. Now, all of us donkeys <laughs> who are hanging out in the church could be redeemed by the lamb. The unclean would be redeemed by the clean. So already he's prophesying about what Jesus was going to do. Even in, even in his, his, his giving talk here, he says, look, this is actually pointing towards something bigger. He says, if you do not redeem it, you will have to break its neck. That's also prophetic of what happens when we do not put our faith in Jesus. There's eternal death. So, so whatever is not redeemed, <laughs> the neck is broken. Uh, but whatever is redeemed could live could go on and live. And so the lamb would, would be the, the payment 
The clean would be the payment for the unclean. The clean would be the ransom for the unclean. And, and, and then he says, you need to redeem every firstborn among your sons. In other words, he says, look, your firstborn sons belong to me, but I'm not running a nursery. <laughs> right? Like, he's like, I don't want your kids. Like, I don't want you to come bring, just drop your kids off at the tabernacle because God's not like that. God doesn't like to take kids away from parents. This is not the kind of God that we serve. All right, and so God says, look, I, I, I'm giving your children as a blessing to you, but he says, you need to know the principle of first things, that the firstborn belongs to me. So as an Israelite, back in the day, back in Moses' day, you have your firstborn son, and you would, after, after he was born, you would bring him to the temple. A few days after he's born, you bring him to the temple, right? Jesus, they did this with Jesus. They brought Jesus to the temple. Not because, not because they needed to take him to church, but because they needed to give him to the Lord. And this is where we get the idea of baby dedication. This is why we dedicate our babies to the Lord. We, we consecrate or we give them to the Lord. But in, in, the, in, in their day, this was a literal thing that the firstborn son literally belonged to the Lord. So they would, they would bring their firstborn son. They would walk into the temple. They would find the priest and they would literally hand over their child to the priest. The priest would, would receive the child and then the, the priest would say, who would like to redeem this child? And God made the redemption price super low. I don't have the, the scripture to give to you, but it was like five bucks or something. I mean, it was something that like just about anybody could afford. And then he said, if there's somebody who's so poor they can't afford it, they can give, I think it was two turtle doves or something. Like, you can catch something out in the yard and bring it in and redeem. The idea was God wouldn't want to take your kids, but God wants with every family, God wants you to remember that the first belongs to him. Right, and, and, and this is a powerful way, right? You just had this baby. You just labored for this baby. You just pushed this thing out. I didn't, she did. And, and now, like, you, you, like the love that you feel for this baby and you give this back to God and the priest holds it and, and now you have to buy back your child from God. It's a powerful symbolism. And that's what it was intended to be. If God wasn't trying to steal kids, God was simply letting his people know that the first of, 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 the, of the children, the first of the animals. And then he goes on to say in, there in Leviticus uh, 27 verse 30, he extends this first thing uh, to uh, the grain. And the stuff that they would grow in the soil. Verse 30 says that you need to have a tithe of everything from the land. A tithe means 10%. Whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy. Notice the way he says that. He says it belongs to God. You don't give your tithe to God. You return it to him. Because it belongs to him. He's not asking you to give him something that belongs to you. He's asking us, he's asking his people to return something that already belongs to him. Because the first belongs to him. And, and, it's, and it's so crucial uh, that here at City Chapel we believe in uh, what we call tithing as, like, as a verb. Meaning that we take the, the, the top, the first 10% of how much we bring in. Uh, that would be our income. And we give that to the Lord through the local church. We don't give to the local church. We give through the local church to the Lord. And I've been doing this, I don't know, since I was six when I, when I first uh, decided to follow Jesus. And I would encourage everyone uh, who's here to pray about that and to see if God is calling you to do that. Because I do believe, I, I, I don't believe it's a law. I don't believe that uh, in order to be a Christian, you have to tithe. But if you want to walk around the light as he is in the light, you're going to get to a place where he's going to look at your money and he's going to say, okay, now what about that? And you, you literally, you're not going to be able to make it through this life without him dealing with your money. Because Jesus even said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now we would think it was the other way around, where your heart is, there your treasure is. In other words, what you love, that's what you'll spend money on. But that's not what he said. He said, what you spend money on is what you'll end up loving. And so it's really, he knows how tied to your emotions, he knows how tied to your heart, your volition, your will, he knows how your money is tied to all of that, which is why he asks you to give back to him what is already his, and that is the first. This is throughout scripture. I mean, you have uh, 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 the, the Israelites when they are crossing into the promised land, 
right? The first battle that they faced was a battle at Jericho. And what did God say? God said, number one, he said, I'm going to give you this, this city. The first battle, you don't even have to really fight. Really, you just, you're going to walk around it. And then he said, but after you destroy it, after the walls fall down and you conquer it, everything in it needs to be consecrated to me. Why? Because it's the first. It's the first battle. It's the first city. It's the first fight. And God said, the first belongs to me. Right? And so the Israelites, they march around the city. You've, you've heard the story, I'm sure. And the walls came tumbling down. And they conquer Jericho. And they rush in. And many of the Israelites are obedient to God. They, they give to him all of, the, all of the gold, all the silver goes to the tabernacle, goes to the priest, goes to the church at that time. All of this stuff is burned up, is destroyed. Every living thing is killed. I mean, everything is given, consecrated over to him. It's all, it's all, none, they didn't take any of it except one guy named Achan. He took, he took some, some, some gold, some silver, a, a cool, a cool Nike shirt and hid it, hid it in, in his tent. Well, then the, they didn't know it though. The Israelites go on to the next battle, right? They go on to the battle to, to fight a place named Ai. Uh, and uh, there's hardly any people there. And they say, man, we don't, have, we don't need to send everybody. We'll just send just a portion of our soldiers. We'll take them out very easily. And yet they, they are completely defeated in this battle that's supposed to be easy. I'm telling you, if you're getting tripped up by things that are supposed to be easy... You may be keeping something that is God's in your tent. And Joshua came back to God and said, what is going on here? Like, I thought you were with us. I thought you were going to bless us. I thought, like, you know, no weapon formed against us. Like, I thought, like, didn't, didn't, wasn't it, like, this is how I fight my battles? Like, I thought, like, I was just going to worship and praise through this. And, and like, bam, stuff was going to fall. And enemies were going to be defeated. Addiction was going to crumble. And, like, I, like and, and God says, well, yeah, all of that stuff. Yes, yes, yes to all of it. But you have something that's mine. You've stolen from me. You've robbed from me, as he says in Malachi. How does a man rob God? Well, he, he keeps back something that is God's. And so that's where they began the process of finding Achan and, man, poor Achan. It did not end well with him. So the truth, the, the, the moral of the story is give to God everything that is God's. And then God will in turn richly bless you and me. And this is what I've seen. This is why people can get derailed on the whole prosperity side of things because God's just so darn good. And he's just so, uh, like, ex extraordinarily good, uh, unreasonably even good. He, he's, he's insanely good. And this is what Proverbs uh, 3 says. Proverbs 3 is, once again, Old Testament, and he's dealing with, he's dealing with people who are tithing. Um, and they actually tithe uh, three different times throughout the year. But anyway, he's, they're, they're tithing, and this is what he says in verse 9. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your crops. Why? Because what you, what you give to first has the power to bless everything else. And this is what he says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. In other words, God's going to bless you. Uh, and I can say that for sure in my life, me and Ro, uh, we've been tithing ever since we met. We were both tithing before, uh, before we met. And it really is true that God's blessing has followed us um, strangely, oddly, in spite of us. Like, I, I am not, I, I've made so many mistakes financially. I, 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 and yet God has still blessed us. And God, like God has a way of making up for mistakes. God has a way of making up for lost time. God has a way for making up for lost clients. God has a way for making up for lost all kinds of things. Like he has just an incredible way of making sure we know that he is our source and that we can trust him. And I mean, I could stand up, I've, I've shared several stories, but so many different stories where God has come through for us. And so many stories here in City Chapel, even as a pastor, I can tell you people before the pandemic that I know, or I think, I mean, I guess I, I don't know people's personal finances, but I think they were faithfully tithing. And the pandemic hit and they lose their jobs and they lose so many things. And yet God continues to supply for them and provide for them. And they continue to give. Some of the people that have lost their jobs can, have given more than folks in City Chapel who are like doing really well. Why? Well, because they continue to give because 
this is how, this is how you, you get out of difficult situations, is you give out of it. The, 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 the Israelites are stepping into the promised land. They have nothing. They've been in a wilderness for 40 years. Their clothes apparently didn't wear out, but they're wearing the same clothes, same shoes. They didn't have weapons. I mean, whatever weapons they had, they had made from out in the wilderness with some sticks. You know what I'm saying? And now they have this, 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 this play, this Jericho, this well-fortified city, all of these weapons, all of this gold. We could take that. We could use that. And God says, no, no, no. The way that you build wealth is by putting me first. You do not put yourself first to build. Uh, and, and, you, and, and the Israelites said, well, we, well, Achan says, well, we can't afford to go on much longer with what we have. And I kind of like, I kind of like what, I kind of like what uh, Mr. Ford said back in, the, back in the day. He said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I would say that applies to giving as well, and especially tithing. If you think you can, and if you think you can't, you're right. Because if you think you can't, then it's true. You'll never have enough to. And if you think you can, you're right, because you'll always have enough to. Because God somehow makes sure of it. I mean, even just in our own church, when I preached this a year and a half ago, as I was preparing for this message, I, just two different faces came to my mind, because after I preached this message uh, about tithing and about why we tithe, and really about how tithing is more than just uh, Exodus and Leviticus, actually, Tithing is one of the few things which goes back before the law. So we don't actually know, technically, where the idea of tithing came from. <laughs> There's no original scripture that says, thou shalt tithe. I mean, there is, or I just read it to you, Leviticus, but tithing is happening before that. So for instance, Jacob told God, he said, Lord, if you bring me back to this place, I'm leaving my family, but if you're faithful to me and bring me back, I will tithe a tenth of everything I have, I'll give it to you. And then before Jacob, you had Abraham, who gave 10% of all of his stuff to a man named Melchizedek, who was a priest and a kind of a mysterious priest. Where did Abraham learn that? We don't know. Like there's no uh, actual biblical reference point for that. The one interesting biblical, possible extra biblical reference point is, is, a, is a text called the Septuagint text, which is the Old Testament that's been translated into Greek. About 300 years before Jesus was born, um, Greek, uh, the, the Greek language was taking over the world. So uh, there were some Israelites who said, we need, to, we need to translate this into Greek. And actually it was commanded them by the guys who were over them. And so they, they got together and they took the old, the, all, all of the Hebrew text and they translated it into Greek. And there are some differences because Hebrew and Greek is different. One of the interesting things, though, is back in, the, in the, uh, the very beginning, like Genesis chapter 3, right? Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. They have two children. One's name is Cain. He's the oldest, and the other is Abel. And Abel offers a sacrifice to God that's pleasing to him. Now, it is a, a lamb, right? And so there's prophetic things about blood and things like that. But God speaks to Cain, and he says, look, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? So the, the implication is that Cain didn't really need animals to be accepted. That Cain could be Cain. He didn't have to act like Abel. That Cain could, could bring his offering, which his, his offering was fruit and nuts and grain, stuff from the soil. He was a farmer. Well, in the Septuagint, it says something a little different. In the, in the Hebrew, it says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? In the Septuagint, it says, if you give the right amount, will you not be accepted? So I don't know. Uh, there's, a, there's an old book called The Sacred Tithe that kind of that lays that out. It's written about 150 years ago. It kind of runs with that idea. And the idea is that giving to God is good, but if you're not giving the prescribed amount, if you're like Aiken, where it's like, I'm keeping a little bit back for myself, then it's sort of like the difference, like partial obedience and full obedience, it's the difference between almost catching the ball in the end zone and catching the ball in the end zone. Like, it's really, really close, but the outcome is way different, you know? Come on, Cowboy fans, you know what I'm talking about. It's like Zeke running with the ball and Zeke landing with the ball. Like, those are two very different things. If you if he, if he get fumble on the plate, anyway, I don't know. It, 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 the, the results are, like, the, 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 the mechanics are very close but the results are very different. 
And what I've noticed is at City Chapel, after I preached this a year and a half ago, two different people came up, to, actually a few people, but these two people just came out to my mind while I was preparing this. Two people came up to me, told me the exact same thing. They said, while you're preaching, while you're laying out scriptures and things, I realize God's convicting me that I need to give the full tithe. I've been giving some here and there. I need, I need to give the full tithe. Uh, just, just in my life. This is, I, I, I used to do that. They, they had different stories, but the exact same thing. And here, here we are a year and a half later. One of those people um, gave the full tithe for a week, I think. I don't, I don't really know her personal, their personal finances. I'm not sure. And then, I don't know. And then just kind of got busy or got other priorities or other things going on. A year and a half later, that person is, I think, spiritually and financially and emotionally kind of in the same place that they were a year and a half ago. Haven't grown very much. The other person, though, immediately took what they were giving and doubled it. I didn't know they were giving half their tithe, but they doubled it. And, well, you know, and you're sitting here today like, I can't double my giving. Um, yeah, maybe not. I don't know. If you can, if you think you can, if you think you can't, you're right. And what I've seen in their life and then those around them is just blessing all year. And I don't tell people's business, but I, it would be awesome to have them come up and just share their own stories because I've seen like financial blessings, financial opportunities, uh, callings, anointing, words from the Lord, which is worth a lot more than money, uh, moments with him, opportunity, and, and, it's, and, and new life, and I'm stuff that you can't buy, stuff that you can't, like you, people would love to, people would love to purchase, people would love to get peace, people would love to get purpose and fulfillment, they, and the, richest, the richest guy in the world would love to put that, write a check for that, but you can't, and, so, and, it's, and yet at the same time, also financial blessing, also like you sold that for what? In, in what situation and what, you know, and it's like, God is just like, boom, 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 boom. And, and I've seen it just in the past year and a half. I've seen people that have stepped into tithing and they've seen God bless them. And so it's not a law that you have to be saved in order, you know, or anything like that, but it is a, a, a principle. And it's a principle of first things. When you put God first in your finances, then God's able to bless everything else. All your other financial endeavors, yes. All of your emotional needs, yes. All of your family's needs, yes. All of your relational needs, yes. All of your purpose needs and anointing needs and calling needs, yes. Like, he's uh, all of it, just, just all of it. And, and, it, and, and, it, and it comes from putting God first. And so I would, I, I would tell you there's, like, there's two, two different folks at City Chapel I know a year and a half ago. There's two different battles, the Battle of Jericho and the Battle of, Battle of Ai. They ended up very differently based on whether or not people were fully obeying God or not. So I would just encourage you to pray about it, to pray about it, to really truly take it to the Lord and say, am I, am I giving what I'm supposed to be giving? Because it is, it is a heart thing that everyone should give as it is purpose in their heart to give. Uh, not grudgingly, but cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Once again, he doesn't want to take your kids. <laughs> All right, he, he, he's not here to steal from you. He's not here to take away your joy or <clears throat> make your life miserable. He actually wants to bless you. Which brings me to my second, my, my second principle, the principle of capacity. So we have the principle of first things. And as we put God first in our finances, he's able to bless the rest, but also the principle of capacity. Uh, and this is something that I've just been working on. This past week, we had a... Um, a memorial service, a celebration of life for, for Dee Young, who was a member of our church for a few years, and she passed away uh, last month. And uh, those of you that were watching online or were a part of that ceremony, you might remember I talked about, talked about vascular plants. And uh, so anyway, so you're going to get a little education today, Cassie. You're going to get, in case you forgot any from last time, you're going to get a little education about vascular plants. Uh, because last week for Thanksgiving, I, I had a day off from my, my work at the church. And so I decided, being the awesome husband that I am, that I would give Ro a morning off from homeschooling. Well, kind of a morning. Anyway, part of a morning off from homeschooling. She did the hard stuff. I said, look, I'll come in and like, I'll, I'll, I'll do this other stuff. And so one of the things I was teaching the kids really we were learning together because by now I'm 40 I've forgotten what I learned in fifth grade and we were learning about vascular plants and of course because my kids are blessed to have a pastor as their dad um, they also got a sermon they got a vascular plants and a sermon because as, as we're watching these videos I'm like hey guys do you know and so and and, and so I want to share that with with with, with 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 you all because it really was interesting vascular plants are are, are pretty darn incredible they're they're the kind of plants that have like 
a vascular system, which means like veins, not really veins, but sort of like veins. Ways of carrying uh, nutrition and water like throughout the plant. And this is a, this is a huge deal. Non-vascular plants are puny. Vascular plants are able to grow very tall, very strong. In fact, the largest organism in the world is a vascular plant, is what I learned. It's in California somewhere in the redwood forest. It's like this oak tree that is like taller than three blue whales stacked end on end. Like it's massive. And the way that it, the oldest, the oldest organism in the world is a vascular plant. It's like it's this little plant in some sea in the Mediterranean. I, I forget, but it's like the old, because they, they're so strong and resilient because they're able to pass nutrition and water throughout the plant. So it can grow strong and it can last a really long time. So vascular plants are pretty cool. Well, the way vascular plants work is they pass water, like I said, to different parts of the tree. And the way they receive water is usually through the roots. 99% of them receive it through the root system because the whole plant is actually coated with this like waterproofing stuff that keeps the inside stuff in and the outside stuff out. I don't know. So when you water a plant, don't pour on top of the leaves because they can't receive water very well. Pour it into the soil because that's right where the, the, the root system is. So the root system is designed to like absorb water, get it into the plant, and then send it up the stem to the different uh, branches, right? And, and, and I was fired up because in John 15, Jesus said, I am the stem and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I will remain in you, my word will remain in you, then you will produce much fruit. And so, man, I was like, guys, like when you connect with Jesus, like you're not just going to church. You're not just getting a membership at some local club, a Christian club, like you are plugging into life. You are connecting to a life source that Jesus brings life. He said, if you remain in me, if you walk in the light, if you, well, there's another if you, if you remain, yeah, then we need to do a sermon called if you, uh, if you remain in me, then my word will remain in you. In other words, the, the vascular system or the, I forget what it's called, but the, the vein basically is running up the stem, goes into the branches and carries life into the branches. So connection is key for life with Jesus. It's not about following rules. It's not about joining a church. It's not about understanding something mentally even, although that definitely helps, getting some truth in there. But then the, the connection of faith, putting faith in Jesus, that's the connection. And then suddenly life starts flowing to you. And so, you know, we had a little amen section. The kids were excited, I think. And um, anyway, we, you know, we, we, we kept on going. But then Micah asked the question, like, how does water go up? And that's a really good question because water doesn't usually go up. It doesn't go up trees, it doesn't go up plants, it doesn't go up anything. Water, because of gravity, goes down. It always goes down. Now, if you have a vascular, like a human vascular system, you have organs pumping blood throughout your entire system, but plants don't have organs, so how does water go up? And I was like, well, I, we'll have to keep watching the video. <laughs> I'm not your mom, okay? I don't know. This is just let's get on the video. So we kept watching the video. And what was really crazy is the way the water goes up the stem, it's through a process. Hold on. I wrote it down. I wrote it down to make sure to get this, get this word right. Because what happens is the leaf, like each leaf has to release um, moisture into the air. There's like these teeny little holes. It's called stigmata something. I don't know. It's a Latin term. And like these teeny tiny little holes in, 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 inside the leaf, they open up and they release like vapors, uh, moisture uh, through the process of evapotranspiration. Yeah, that's a $5 word for you today. You can say you learned something at church today. Evapotranspiration means that it transfers moisture from the leaf up into the atmosphere. You can't see it, it's invisible, it, but it's collected in clouds, right, that form over the sky and then pour out on the earth again. Well, that evapotranspiration, it's a big deal. I mean, apparently, <laughs> for these organisms, it's a really big deal. Like, for instance, one oak tree releases in a year 40,000 gallons of water. In evapotranspiration, I just like saying that word, it, like, it, no, I'm not going to spell it. Evapotranspiration, it, it, it goes into the atmosphere, like 40,000 in one regular size oak tree. That's not even the big one in California. It's like just your regular oak tree. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of water that these trees release. Well, what happens is when the, when the leaf releases the water it's been given, it, it creates, it creates a, a suction 
It creates like a like a straw in in your soda. It creates a suction that pulls that draws the water up the stem and through the branches to it. So, so the key to receiving is releasing, which is <laughs> that's why God's not trying to make you poor. Like, 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 that's not his goal. Like, the, 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 you know, the, the, the oak tree is, is calling out to the branches. Hey, I'm not trying to steal your water. But you need to release it. Because as you release it, I can give it. As you, like, if you're holding on to yesterday's blessings, then you'll never have today's provision or tomorrow's. So you must release, and as you release, it creates the suction. So I had to hit stop on the story, and I said, kids, look, I'll just tell you right now, there's so many people in churches right now throughout the world, and they, are, they can't hardly make ends meet. They're always asking prayer requests for new housing and all this kind of, they, it seems like one difficult situation. After, nothing ever works out, and you know what? They never give. Because, well, they'll give when they have enough. That's when they'll give. And they never get it. They just, it, it's, it, God has it for them. God has it. They are plugged into the tree. I truly believe they love Jesus. They're following him. Like, I get it. But I don't, they're, they, they're not able to receive because they're holding things like this. You can't grab onto something new when your hands are like this. A leaf cannot receive new water when it, when it holds all the moisture inside. So it has to release. And as it releases, it draws. It creates a draw. Do you know you create a heavenly draw when you start giving? Now, that's not just money. I mean, that's, that's giving thoughtful text messages to people. That's giving time to go pray for somebody or giving time to stop and make a phone call. That's like when you release... That's helping the homeless community. That's, that's signing kids up here, right? David and I were sitting out here for an hour and a half between services and watching a little bit of fancy football. But we were giving to the Lord, darn it. And, uh, and, and, and it creates a heavenly draw that, God is, that God's resources are drawn to you. You just notice sometimes people, it's just like, it's just drawn to them. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to be smart enough for it. They didn't have to make all the right decisions. It's just drawn. It's like a magnet. Well, what is that? They're constantly giving. Man, I, I, that's my family's story. I, growing up, I, I can tell you, that's my, my, my family got saved just before I was born. And they grabbed a hold of this whole tithing thing and offering, which offering is like it's just above and beyond whatever uh, different things. And I, my family were uh, poor when I was born. My dad was working at JCPenney's. They both dropped out of college because they wanted to get married. And that was a brilliant decision. Um, and uh, they didn't make the best like financial decisions. They made God decisions, though. They made sacrificial decisions to give to others, though. I remember running one, one Christmas. It was a week before Christmas, and we had found out a family had just lost their job, and they didn't have money for Christmas. And so mom talked to a bunch of different people, and raised, we raised a bunch of cash. And like one morning at 3 a.m., we drove by their house and like stuck it in their, in their, in their door, you know, this envelope of $1,000 of cash. And, uh, you know, they, they never knew who did it, but they were just so excited. They're, they're, it was, they, God got the glory. People didn't get the glory. So I'm just saying, like, I've seen this work in, and, and then my dad loses his job because in 2008, the economy crashes. And um, my dad worked for a company that worked for Ford and Ford almost, you know, went away. So definitely all the companies that worked for them went away. My dad's company goes away and then God just somehow carries them for the past 12 or 13, I don't know how many years, but doing better than even when he was working for the company. I mean, God has just ways when you're, when you're releasing, you're able to receive. And I've seen this in my life. I've seen this in my family's life. I've seen this in many of your all's life as you've released. God has just poured blessings into you. But something else happens too, just to keep along the, so, you know, we kept watching the video, the, the, the trans evaporation. I got to say that a few more times to feel smart today. So it, 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 not only does it open up and release gases, but when the little stigma, stigmatas or whatever, when, when the little holes in the leaf open up, it, it receives something actually from the atmosphere. So it, releases, it receives something from the stem, but it also receives something from the atmosphere. It's called CO2. And CO2 is very important for a lot of things, but and then for this leaf, it's very important because the CO2 mixes with the fresh water coming in or moisture and nutrients, and it, and it creates, I think it's photosynthesis that does this. It's a very long and complicated process. But what it does is it creates something that I do know a lot about called glucose. 
that sugar. That's what that's what I said, hey, I know that word. I know that sugar. Give me some. Like, that's what makes the world go round. That's what, that's what, that's why we fought England. Like, that's why, like, because we wanted, anyway, it's like, it's a big deal. It's some good stuff. It's what makes your coffee taste good. You know what I'm saying? It's good. And so what it does is, and, and this is why people who are always giving are so darn sweet. Come on. Because they're receiving and they're releasing, but in the releasing, they receive something from the, from the people that they're giving to. You know, like Carol talking about to keep kids fed is a big ministry of her heart, as well as uh, 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 Thanksgiving meals. Right, and um, just this past Thanksgiving, we, we gave out 21 turkeys and we fed different families. And then there's another church that we're connected to, Thrive Church. They had made some boxes, but they didn't really have a lot of families to give to necessarily. They just made some boxes and they thought they'd go door to door in Austin. And uh, that didn't work out so well. They got the cops, they, somebody threatened to call the cops and stuff. I mean, there is COVID-19. I don't know. People just didn't want strangers handing them boxes and stuff. And so uh, they ended up giving those boxes to us because we had people, we had people in our Keep Kids Fed families that were bigger families that got one turkey but needed some more. And so Carol spent Thanksgiving afternoon running around, giving some boxes, extra dressing, extra stuff. And people are crying, receiving these boxes because they thought they weren't going to have enough for Thanksgiving. You say, well, that's not really that important. Well, it is. And as you release, you receive some CO2 from people. <laughs> or I don't know what that is. That's joy. You receive hope. You receive smiles. You receive thanksgiving. And it creates something inside of us that creates the sweetness. But then the leaf, get this, the leaf takes the sweetness and sends it back to the stem. So it all goes back to Jesus. So God gives us some talents. We use those talents and then we give them back to him. And, then, and, then, and then, then he gives us some blessings. We use those blessings. And then we pour out our worship on him. And we pour out our sweetness on him. And we pour out, it creates more thanksgiving in our heart. It creates more joy in our heart. It creates more sweetness in us for us to send back to Jesus, to lay at his feet, to pour out to him another testimony for him, something else, not to glorify Carol or to glorify Thrive or to glorify uh, City Chapel, but to glorify Jesus because Jesus' servants, whether they're Thrive or City Chapel or whatever the title of the church, are on the move even in the middle of a pandemic. And they're giving and they're serving and they're pouring out. And this is, this is the point actually of the tithe. Um, I, don't, I don't think I have this scripture for you on the screen, but this is part of the capacity, the principle of capacity, that as you give, you, you enlarge your capacity to receive. Uh, as you release, you enlarge your capacity to receive. And not only do you enlarge your capacity, but you enlarge your capacity to worship. You enlarge your capacity for joy. You enlarge your capacity for thanksgiving. You become more thankful. You would think people that hold on to everything and have that they would have more. That's a lie. You would think the people who hold on to everything are more thankful for all the stuff they have because they love it so much. That's a lie. People that give end up having more. People that sow end up reaping. And scripture says that they reap with joy. They come back with joy. So they not only reap like blessings financially and blessings in other ways, but they have this, this better and bigger capacity for thanksgiving and for thankfulness and for joy. But that's, the, that's, that's actually the point because in Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 29, God commands his people. He says, at the end of every three years, you're to bring out all the tithe of your produce in that year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, the Levite, that would be the priests, that'd be the pastors, uh, the priests, the people that worked in the tabernacle or the temple, the Levite, because he has no portion with you, and the sojourner, that's the person who's traveling or the person who's homeless, the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of, the hand, of your hands that you do. In other words, God's plan for the tithe wasn't to build bigger buildings necessarily. God's plan for the tithe wasn't uh, so churches could have bigger savings account. God's plan for the tithe was so that uh, the pastors or the priests would be taken care of and that the, uh, the, the homeless population would be taken care of 
and that the fatherless population would be taken care of, and that the widows would be taken care of. <laughs> In other words, it's supposed to bless the community. And so, there, I, yeah, there's definitely been some abuse of this teaching because people have used the giving of people who are giving to the Lord and they've bottled it up in a denomination or they bottled it up in a church or in a building fund or they bottled it up in a, in a, in a, in a particular vision that they have and not what God's vision is, which is to be a blessing to the community, to get it out from here, to pour it out from here. And to use it in here, definitely, to, to, to be able to hire staff and be able to hire pastors, even in the middle of, uh, of economic hard times with a, with a pandemic and everything, but not have to release any of the staff and not have to fire them, you know, and just keep being able to pay them. Like, this is, I believe God wants to do that uh, so that we can continue doing what we're doing. But at the same time, also for the homeless, for the widow, and for those in need, it needs to go out from here. And so the idea is, though, that, that everyone brings their tithe, but if everyone doesn't bring their tithe, then what that does is it limits the capacity of the church to be able to be the church. It limits the capacity. And, I, and, I, and I'm certain, I'm thankful that at City Chapel we have a lot of generous people, and we always have had faithful people. I mean, ever since we started, um, we didn't know what we were going to start with, and we were like, I don't know if we can afford meeting at the theater or not. I, it's $1,000 a week. I don't know if we can do that. Uh, but from the very first day that we started, people have started giving and have been faithful to give and have been able to cover costs for buildings and uh, staff and things like that. But the truth is, the, the vision of City Chapel is limited by the giving of City Chapel. It's limited and accelerated, I guess. Either or. And it's true in every church. The vision that God's placed in that house is limited and accelerated by the giving of the people in the house. So for instance, we're working on 2021 budgets right now with Manessa, and we actually already have pre-approved with the trustees, um, making a couple changes, then we're gonna have the final approval this week with the trustees, then we're gonna show them to the overseers, make sure the budgets are good there. Um, and then we'll be good for 2021. But as we've been praying about 2021, there's like, 15 things on my heart that I would love to do right now. And we just don't have the funds for it. And so we're like, well, we're gonna have to cut here to do some of that. And we'll do some of that. And we'll do a little bit of that. And we're not gonna do that at all. And there's a number of things that we're just not doing at all. And maybe that's just because my vision's too big. I don't know. Uh, or maybe that's because the giving of City Chapel hasn't caught up to it. But I'm just saying there's space. And if, if that space was filled, the other things would 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 pop into play other people would be hired on staff peter would actually be paid full-time <laughs> but we are raising pete to part-time in 2021 come on somebody uh and that's true that's that's really actually true like i'm not joking that's not a joke he hasn't been getting paid part-time um even though he's been working full-time so we're actually you know but he deserves full-time and and mia deserves and different ones anyway like there's just there's things in my heart I would love to do, um, but limited by, by the giving. And I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you that if God lays it on your heart, it might be because some of the things we've been talking about, God actually wants us to do. And that's what we've noticed. It's like God will give us a vision and then we'll be like, eh, I don't know that we can afford that. And then suddenly the, the money will come in and we can afford it and we'll do it. Um, but it only works as the people in City Chapel who watch online, who are in present, are faithful. And it's totally up to you. It's totally up to you because I'm happy with where we're at and with what we're doing. I'm thrilled about the 2021 budget. Uh, we're, we're adding things. We're increasing things. We're actually uh, uh, doing some, some, some marketing for the first time. And uh, that's really cool. Um, and uh, live streaming is getting better and better. And uh, we got different, different stuff to make the sound. But I mean, we're, we're, we're moving forward. And I'm thrilled about it. Um, but the, the speed with which we move forward because it will get done. It will happen this year, next year, the year after that. But the speed has to do with the, the obedience of the people in, in the church. And so if God's laying it on your heart, it might be more than just the blessing he wants to bring to you. It might be part of the vision of the church that you're connected to. Because right here he says, look, if everybody brings their tithe, then we open it up and these people get fed, those people get fed, those people get fed, those people get fed. We, we get to bless all, all those categories.
And so we are being faithful to God in, in, in the food pantry. We're being faithful to God and keep kids fed. But there's a, there's, a, there's a lot more we'd love to do and keep kids fed. So the ceiling, we haven't reached the ceiling at all. Uh, we, we're not feeding all of the hungry kids in Austin. We're not feeding a fraction of them. Um, we're feeding 160 some or something like that. Uh, 167. There you go. We're feeding 167. Um, but honestly, uh, you know, that's our, that's our top. Uh, and I, but if we bring more in, we can go out to more schools and, and feed more kids. So th- that's just from my perspective, I can tell you that uh, it does. It, it, giving increases your personal capacity for, for finances, but also for joy and thanksgiving. It also increases your church's capacity to be the church. Um, yeah, and, and God uses it throughout his kingdom. So what I'd like to do right now is just to pray and just ask God to speak to each and every one of us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, 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 the opportunity that you give for us to give every week. Um, you know, and then we, we share that here as a part of our worship. It is a part of the sweetness that we return to you just as a Thanksgiving offering. But it's also what you use to, to move your church forward. And it's also what you use to bless us and to move us forward. And so, Lord, I pray for anybody that's stuck, anybody feeling stuck right now, Lord, that you would speak to them about ways in which they're not walking in the light. And if finances is one of them, Lord, may they, may they step out in obedience to you. Lord, we pray for those that, that have uh, been manipulated with regard to finances and they've had some, some trauma with regard to that. Lord, may they... May they May they not act on anything I say, but may they only act on your word and only give to what you're saying to give to. Maybe it's not even to City Chapel at first. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just some missionary somewhere. Maybe, I, I don't know. But Lord, you, you, you will direct, you will guide because ultimately you just want us, you want our heart. You're not after our money. You're not after our kids. You want our heart and you want us to place you first. So Lord, may you be placed first in our lives the top priority, the number one thing with regard to our money, that when we get our paycheck, we would first think about you. That when we get bonuses, we would first think about you. When we get uh, stimulus checks, we would first think about you. When we get tax returns, we'd first think about you. That the, the, the first fruits from our increase would go right back to you. And then I pray, Lord, that you would increase <laughs> every single one that's giving back to you, that you would pour out your blessings on City Chapel tremendously for your glory so that people would see our lives and that they would give you, they would see our good works and they would glorify our Father who's in heaven. In Jesus' name.